episode of the pond my name is colton pegana and i'm joined always by my boy mike Pulford. how you doing buddy not too bad not too bad uh nursing a sore back hit a couple rounds of golf this week and uh the second one definitely took a toll just sat up and i can barely move <laughs> yeah you were swinging for the fences probably eh? <laughs> <laughs> i wish bro i don't even know what happened <laughs> yeah hey how are the um how are the courses out in ottawa like compared to here because i know you've gone uh a couple times out in waterloo like do you is is there a comparison at all is one better than the other like what's what, what do you think? yeah i mean i i can't say i've been to the nice courses in waterloo so i, I don't know for sure um but i've been shocked in ottawa like the the quality of the courses for how expensive they are like they're with the one i went to today was in ottawa outright um and then there's a really nice one out in gatineau which is like 25 minute drive or something like that um which is a beautiful course right and dude you can get like 18 holes with a cart for like 35 40 bucks um Jeez. and then they got they have a deal you can play 11 for like something like 20 or 25 it's nuts wow. so uh been enjoying it because i'm definitely a golfer on a budget at this point so um, <laughs> well, I mean, with how much you're going out you're gonna need to be soon eh <laughs> definitely dude definitely i mean at least i'm at the point now where i don't have to worry about buying 32 balls every time i go to a course yeah that's true <laughs> right before right before we started recording mike was saying that he knows he's improving because he's not losing as many balls and that cannot yeah. be like closer to the truth because when i've especially when i first started golfing too i would look in my bag after a round and be like oh sweet i only lost one ball what a great day even though i shot yeah. like a like a 99 or an 100 and i'm like uh, okay well it wasn't that good but yeah yeah and i'm consistent like i will shoot i'm still shooting pretty pretty low or pretty high but yeah. at least like my front nine my back nine are usually about the same but today oh I, I like I lost a ball and so I went to look for it and I found a different ball and it was the sickest ball. It was like had the, like a pink breast cancer thing on it. It was like one of those holographic ones that like Jeez. almost looks like it's see through. Yeah. And I yeah, was yeah. pumped and I rolled with that ball for like probably 10 holes. And I was like, I wasn't playing great, but I, I was doing okay. Like obviously well enough, didn't lose the ball. God, I, I was telling Colton about this before. Got to this hole told it that the sign post said it was 120 120 to the pin um it most certainly was not i put that ball directly <laughs> in the middle of a pond um and i swear it's not my fault i, I picked the wrong club because th there's no way their yardage was correct but yeah anyway that, that's beside the point you know it happens up on ball net positive on balls for the for the round today so that's that's always an encouraging sign um of course and you know all you can do is play yep i mean i don't know how many times i've gone and like like i i've hit a ball to a spot where i'm like okay this should be easy to find and i don't find my ball and i get super pissed off but then yeah. you know yeah. there's the odd time 
where you go and you hit a shot and you're like i know that's gone and then you you know you just go to check it out just in case they might have popped out a little bit and you immediately find a ball like (laughs) in that vicinity and it's not yours but you know as long as you're going one for one you know yeah i mean well i'm at i'm at the point now where like i'm actually getting decent so like i can i i used to not really be able to hit the ball very far um and never straight um but now like i i'm actually surprising myself a little bit with my distance so i'll hit the ball down the fairway and like the guys i'm playing with they're like go go to their balls whatever and i'm just searching like i for the life of me cannot find my ball (laughs) and i'm looking like 50 yards short of where it is (laughs) Jeez, yeah are you are you walking or driving all these um so so today we walked so i just had a little push cart um but it wasn't wasn't uh there were no par fives today so so it wasn't too bad to walk mike that that is totally a you look with the push cart probably a beer in the push cart or in one (laughs) hand as you're going (laughs) not today no beers today but uh but no definitely definitely the last couple of rounds i've been been enjoying a couple brews on the course yeah it's dude it's it's like I, I don't even know it's like salt and fries you know what i mean like you can yeah. eat the fries and it's still good but you have yeah. to have salt on it if you want the maximum enjoyment it's like golf and beer yeah. you know like oh yeah oh man actually funny story so last time we went out um there was one hole that i had um birdied my first ever birdie the time before that um nice par three i had dropped the ball within like three feet of the hole off my tee shot it was a beauty so the second time we're there, the cart girl comes by, grab a couple of beers. So I, I bought two because I was like, you know, it's like the seventh hole. Right. I, I'm gonna need gonna need two for the rest of the round, obviously. Of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so then I go to open the first one. I don't really know what I was doing, but I try to open it like backwards. So oh. I just popped the tab off the can. No. <laughs> yeah. So then I'm I'm standing there with a full ass tall boy that I can't open and I I luckily had keys in my bag. There you I'm go. standing there thinking, Am I am I shotgunning a beer on the seventh hole of this course? <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up mucking the beer right before that part three that I like was confident I was gonna do well at. And it definitely did not help my game for the next couple <laughs> holes. The next couple holes were a little bit rough on your boy, so yeah so i mean depending on the course for me at least you know it's got to be the right course it can't just be like one that i'm playing for the first time although sometimes it is um yeah you know completely contradict myself with this but you know sometimes it's like you either have to at nine you either have to shock on a beer at nine because i mean we're halfway through you know what i mean like you gotta get nice and and relaxed for the back nine because you're already you know your score in the front nine you know you're trying to relax but sometimes you need a little shoddy to get you you know get you going get that life back yeah. in you right so over the hump yeah so it's either that or i just love like honestly it's one of my favorite things like just a nice um clubhouse hot dog at the cool. at the nine you know what i mean like there yeah. the one time i was playing foxwood and i know it like unless you're listening in waterloo or kitchener or cambridge you, you're not going to know where foxwood is but I was playing Foxwood, uh, front nine, you know, I played all right, but I, I didn't play, play great. I, I probably shot about like nine or 10 over. Uh, then I get to the back nine and I par par and then I birdied and then, you know, I bogeyed. So, I mean, I was only, I was, I was even through four holes and like before that I was not playing well. So, I mean, 
you know the, yeah. the hot dog is like it's juice it was you know what i mean hot dog yeah yeah and, you yeah, and go i'm with... just getting to the point now where i play and playing courses multiple times yeah. holy shit is it ever easier to play a course a second time through oh yeah you can like, plan your shots out a little more exactly man you know what to expect and shit and i, I played a course the second time and i was like oh shit like because I, I had never really done that before i was like oh yeah. damn maybe well, maybe i'm not as bad as i think <laughs> yeah so like especially in waterloo and kitchener there's like there's so many not like well i mean westmount is a really really nice course so that's yeah. like you have to be a member it's private to get in there so that's like you know the the one end of the spectrum and then you have the other end of the spectrum which is like you know there's uh n or well par three courses let's say there's one right by my house that i'm living in right now that is like yeah. you know it's not bad but it's also it's, like not even close to it's yeah. not bad if you don't care about your putting exactly the greens yeah. are just oh insane yeah the the greens are covered in weeds and you know they have divots yeah. in them that are just like like the one hole looks like if Hulk was to smash the ground with his fist. Yeah. Like that's literally yeah. that's what but it like, is. So even that what that course, like you and I played that one last summer, right? Yeah. And yeah, a couple even times. Even that one, like I was struggling to even par. Now I feel like I could do actually decently well on that course. Oh yeah. 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 So Dude, the, last up time, in the world. Yeah. Last time I was there, and this is like quick story before we uh get into stuff where you know, we're pushing uh nine minutes of golf talk, but I mean fuck <laughs> it, right? Um yeah. I so every every hole uh probably about i would say 60 to 70 yards and then uh hole nine which is technically like the back nine although you can start front or back um it's the biggest like hole on the course and it's probably about 120. so mm -hmm. of course like you know you get up there and you're wanting to smash it right so i mean both times that i've been there i've put the ball legit in the exact same spot like the past three or four times that we've been there and every time it's looking like it's going to be a great shot nice and high like right down the middle gonna land on the flag and all of a sudden it's like just a tiny bit of wind or like it's probably my size <laughs> realistically um he just puts it pond. and literally it lands it on the edge where the pond is and just plop right yeah. in the water nice yeah so it was like nice. i was I, i've probably lost more balls at the par three from that pond than i have in the last like four rounds of golf that i've played it's, <laughs> it's Dude, so tilting like that that <laughs> hole is deadly too because the on the other side of that pond is a road yeah um and yeah. i've definitely seen people just slice balls out onto the road yeah and it's like i mean not oh, not ideal not, no, the, I, not the safest I, I, thing I drive down that road like almost every day. I'm not trying to have a ball <laughs> hit my windshield. <laughs> Insurance so, funny, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You gotta love it, eh? But, <laughs> yeah. But, all right. Well, you want to hop into some news here? We got a few yeah. uh, stories today. Nothing insane. But we are into the Stanley Cup final uh, with Dallas and Tampa. So, we will get into that series uh, in a little bit. But, Mike, if you want to take us away with some uh, news here... And then I do want to yep. talk about uh, that hit on Nikita Kucherov. Actually, two right. hits on Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So um, just to start off with some news around the league. Um, so Bill Armstrong announced as the, the new Arizona Coyotes GM. Um, this is going to be actually a really interesting couple months for him. I mean, not the most enviable job to, to step into right now um 
as a GM, you know, you don't have a first or second round pick this year. You don't have a first round pick next year because of their whole uh, train or um, working out OHLers thing. Um, and then Taylor Hall's UFA, Carl Soderberg UFA, oh, true. Brad Richardson UFA. Um, so he's in a pretty tight spot here. Um, I heard I've seen a couple couple things about people kicking tires around Oliver Ekman Larson. Yeah. Um, they've got so that's that's their captain. They've got two good goalies. Darcy Kemper might be on his way out. So there's he's gonna have a lot lot of work on his hands. Um, and not a whole lot of draft picks to to back that up. So um gonna be interesting to see what they do, uh, whether they're able to make a, a convincing pitch to Taylor Hall. Um, but yeah, man, like, I feel like, you know, we, we've seen Buffalo fire GMs after like two seasons, this, this guy, I mean, I feel like we won't be able to say anything about the, him as a, as a GM there for, for three or four years, um, just because he's not going to have the, the draft capital to really get anything done in the draft. Um, and I mean, he's kind of put in a really tight spot right off the bat with their UFAs and kind of how the last couple of years has gone for them. So. Yeah, it's okay. So, I just read something on I think it was on Twitter that uh, Bill Armstrong said that this would be like this is the most comfortable he's ever been in in the GM position, or like because <laughs> he can't possibly get fired. <laughs> well, exactly right. So you gotta you gotta think about it though. So if you're if you're the Arizona Coyotes, right? You're you you took a leap of faith with Taylor Hall, especially with Phil Kessel as well, right? Yeah. And it didn't pan out. Like, it just straight up, it didn't pan out. And to be honest, if, like, if you look even how they played against Colorado, which Colorado is a, a cup contender, then you will you can see that there is a major skill gap. Like, major. Um, yeah. And and it's not like there isn't high-profile players on, on uh, Arizona. I, I was thinking about calling it Phoenix. I really was. Uh, <laughs> but if Close. you look, there there's, like, there is a skill gap. And... So if you're Arizona, do you either like blow up your team and just completely cuz think about it, like uh we we already know that Arizona doesn't have a first round pick for the next 2 years at least, right? Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. And no second this year either. Right. So they're in in terms of prospects for the at least the next 2 years, they got nothing. So why would you not try to at, at this point also another point before I get into it is next year is going to be hard to like do money deals for players uh yeah. when it comes because of covid like in the end just a flat cap like there's not going to be a whole lot of people to be able to retain salary um or like you know do sign ufas or rfas or anything yeah. like that so yeah and and arizona was one of the teams we were talking about last week that's uh put in one of their own like a uh internal salary cap under the the actual league maximum right um, so so he really doesn't have much to work with there exactly there's not there's like not a whole lot of money coming from uh anywhere when it comes to uh that organization right now and yeah. i mean for him yeah there's there's not a whole lot of pressure but would you not try to blow the team up you know uh at least some guys that still have some like i i mean fuck it it might as well be ekman larson because if you're going to do a full on rebuild, you might as well start from the ground up. Right. So, yeah, because right now this, I would say the only position that is somewhat solidified is their goaltending position with Darcy Kemper 
and anti Ranta. And anti Ranta. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them are great goalies. So that is really the only thing that holds that team together. And other than that, like the whole team is inconsistent, decor and offense. So would you not try to get some of because the, they're allowed to trade for uh for yeah. draft picks? Why would they not mm-hmm. try to trade some of their high profile players? And yeah, you know what? Sorry, Arizona fans, but you're going to have to go into a rebuild because I'm telling you right now, and this is not an expert opinion, you're going to need a way better squad than this if you want to win the cup or even touch, or not even touch, but like smell the cup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I well, and I I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think they have, I think they have the secondary pieces that you need right. um, to win the cup. Like, good second, third liners. Yeah, yeah. But you still need that high end. Right. Um, and I, I don't dislike the Taylor Hall move um, just because I, I think it's it's really good to see GMs um, kind of going for it, like swinging for the fences like that. Yeah, it's like um, all in. Like, like Kekalainen with Columbus right. um, not moving Bobrovsky or Panarin at the deadline to, to make a run. Um, but I think part of it is you have to be realistic about where your team stands. Like how, how successful can you reasonably expect to be? Um, and that I, I think that they maybe have miscalculated a little bit in terms of where they are in their, their process of, of win now sort of thing. Right. Um, this maybe wasn't the time to take a run at a, a Taylor Hall type player. Um, but in terms of in terms of selling off people, I mean, it depends on the, what they think they can get, right? Um, this draft is is supposed to be very very deep, um, but do you have something to offer one of those top five pick teams that they that that they want now, right? Yeah. They like a, a team like Ottawa or Detroit or you know New Jersey, like they don't need taylor hall right now no they're not you gonna, know not even they don't now. need oliver ekman larson right so what can you get back um from a relatively competitive team with like a bottom half of the draft um reasonably right maybe maybe you wait till the trade deadline right and and sell sell those guys like your ekman larson as, as a rental player um and also like given given the free agent market for goalies specifically um maybe wait a bit on on anti ranta or uh moving darcy kemper right so uh it'll be interesting to see they definitely i i i don't i hesitate to tell them to blow it all up because i think they do have some very strong pieces um and like as we said even in the playoffs like their secondary scoring was great it was their it was their number one guys that was that were really kind of not 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 playing up to to what you need them to um So it'll be interesting. If you have good goaltending, you always stand a chance. Um, and I mean, I feel like usually the the playoffs are are the teams that win in the playoffs are not usually the the very best out of the regular season. You know, you 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 get some upsets. So I feel of like course, once yeah. you're in, you're fine. But you have to remember they weren't going to make the playoffs this year. Like if if you don't do the whole play-in thing, like if the season just finished regularly, they probably were not going to make the playoffs. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's like... a pretty rough look. Um, and I feel like there was so much hype coming out of Arizona in terms of their fan base, um, kind of what the organization thought the expectations for their team should be. Um, and I, I think they just were a little bit off there. Um, and just like one other actually interesting thing I'm just reading, um, because Armstrong just came from an assistant GM position at St. Louis, he's actually not allowed 
to advise the Coyotes on any of their draft picks this year. Um, what? So I mean, they don't they don't pick till the third round, anyways. True. Um, okay. But he won't he won't be ad- involved at all in that process. Wow. Probably because he was in the room with St. Louis when they were planning their. Um, you know what? That's strategy, fair enough. Right. That's yeah. Fair and enough. so so them letting him leave, you know. That they actually write makes that a lot in, of so. sense. I wouldn't have. Yeah. I would not have thought of that. Like even a little bit. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 So I mean, maybe next year he's a second to work with. Um, and I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know what the draft next year looks like yet. Like, I, I don't, I don't have any idea about those, those, uh, prospects that are one year out right now. Um, but you know, maybe you make some moves. There's a couple players you want, want in that draft. Um, but I think they're going to, they're going to find it tough to, to make any moves for this upcoming draft. Um, and they might have to just tough it out. I mean, give, give the team another season. You you didn't really move any actual like NHL pieces for Hall, so it doesn't make your team immediately worse. Right to lose him again, um, you you just kind of sacrifice a bit of your future. Um, so so we'll see. Maybe maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they'll maybe they'll come out of the gates swinging. Um, and you know if they like, if they make this the, if they're in the playoff hunt this season. Um, I don't necessarily think that they. I would consider them completely out of the race uh, once they get into the playoffs. You know that one-two goaltending tandem. We've seen it work so well um, for a lot of teams. So yeah, we'll have to see. I uh, I don't know. I like just just quickly before we wrap things up. We've been on this for yeah. a little bit now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if you if you look right now, um, I'm on cap friendly, and cap friendly is honestly so clutch when it comes to trying to talk about like oh, UFAs, unreal. RFAs, everything like that. Um, yeah. This year, for in terms of uh, like their RFA UFA situation, not bad. Next year, looking very, very bad. Like they have oh, a really? lot of guys that they need to sign. So this year, mm-hmm. um, RFA Christian Fisher, Fisher, um, UFA Good Brad player. Richardson. Uh, Taylor Hall, Carl Soderberg, and then RFA Vinny Hinnestro- Vinny- Holy shit, buddy. <laughs> All right. Vinny Inestroza. Um, and then Good player. Yeah, great player. Uh, and then Ilya Lebushkin. I've Lebushkin. Yeah, Lebush. Holy fuck, eh? That's I actually never heard of that guy. Yeah. And then uh, next year, they have UFA for Derek Stefan. Which is their assistant captain, Michael Grabner, mm-hmm. uh, Alex Goligoski, Nicholas Jarmelson, uh, Jason Demers, uh, Jordan Osterly, and and Anti Ranta. So and right. also, which I didn't even realize, Marion Hosa, who's on injured reserve right now. Right, he's he's careers over though. That's yeah, a, yeah, the cap thing. Oh, they're um, still paying that's, him this that's, season. Holy fuck, that's brutal. Yeah. Um. He his his pay doesn't doesn't count towards the cap though. Um. Yeah. No. Like the long term injured reserve thing. Yeah. Um. But no, I mean that's brutal. And I mean with Anti Ranta there, I think that's the big one, right? Yeah. Um. Do you lock him up? I do. You look to move one of your goalies. Uh. It'll well, be interesting to mention to too that Darcy Kemper is UFA the year after that. So like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they they're gonna have some decisions to make right off the bat. Um. Definitely, definitely. I don't know. I don't think Bill Armstrong has been uh, a GM before. Um, 
but definitely going to be a tough start for the guy. Um, he's going to have a lot of moves to make right off the bat, and that very well may define his tenure as GM, depending on how things go down the road. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, moving on. Um, on the, the topic of UFAs, RFAs, uh, I know we talked about it last week, but Alex Petrangelo, um, this is the premier unrestricted free agent this year. Yep. We mentioned it last week, um, talking about whether, like, what, what kind of money can he expect to get? Um, would he resign in St. Louis, um, his hometown? Maybe he would take a one, two year deal um, and wait for more money to kind of be on the table. Well, all reports so far um, are pointing to him hitting the unrestricted free agent market. Um, Darren Dreger reporting that um, the contract talks between Petrangelo and the St. Louis Blues have broken off um, and that the Blues have told him to pursue unrestricted free agency. Um, so this is going to be an interesting one because yeah, I, I don't know where I saw it. I don't know where I saw it, but I feel like I saw somewhere that they're kind of, they came in at seven, seven, five. Um, and I didn't, I don't know what the term was. Um, so that's not very high for, for a defenseman of his caliber. Um, that's like, so I'm curious to see whether St. Louis just genuinely doesn't want to pay more than that, or if they don't think that anybody else will beat their offer. Um, because as we mentioned, you know, all the teams in the league are strapped for cash. Um, the teams that might have the cash available are strapped for cap space. Um, so there's actually a fairly limited number of options for him in terms of looking for big contracts getting paid, um, which is really too bad because his last contract was fairly generous um, to the Blues. Seven years, $45.5 million. So that comes in under seven a year. Yep. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see, I, I, you got to feel for the guy if he's going to kind of going to get short changed, just given the year that he hits unrestricted free agency. Um, but he also hearing him talk, he sounded like he, he would be perfectly happy to stay in St. Louis, um, without kind of getting shafted. Um, so, so, I mean, it'd be interesting. Um, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I think, um, I think it was, uh, what's his name? Pierre Lebrun today was saying that he thought Vegas, um, Calgary, and Toronto, uh, I can't yes. remember the last one, were the, the three teams, teams he thought, thought made the most sense for him. Um, so, I mean, that, I mean, take that as you will. Vegas would obviously, that would be insane. Right. Um, Calgary would be interesting. They already have have a few good D-men. Doesn't really feel like that's what they need to put them over the top, um, but they might have the cap space for it. So yep. we'll have to see. Just got to keep tabs on that one. Um, but the unrestricted free free agent market this year is definitely going to be an interesting one to follow. Yeah, oh, um, for sure. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, just speaking on uh, Petrangelo first, like. Yeah, it, it kind of it's crazy to think that St. Louis is is actually putting up a little bit of a fight. Like we're gonna get into the awards later, but again, like uh, Petrangelo like made the second All Star team. Yeah, I, it's it's yeah, like it's not. This isn't a guy that was just like you know, oh, you know, I don't know if we're gonna be able to pay him. Like this is this is your guy. Like if you have a defenseman, mm -hmm. this is your guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's. 
it's essentially like if, if it's because it was about money. I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere that it was about the money, like a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, um, but, yeah. You know, his wife is from St. Louis. His family was born in St. Louis. He's played there for a long, long time. It just yeah. it it's very strange to me to think that like not only if they were not budging at at seven seven, you said. I don't know where I saw that, so I might be wrong. But I think it was in the mid seven mil range. Right. So I mean, a decent offer. Uh, like it's not a, a shit offer. It's just you know a guy like him could definitely get more money somewhere else, and exactly. that's like it, it's not something that could be debated because this guy is definitely one of the best in the league. Um, like I said, like he is your guy uh, on defense yeah. on that back end. So. Uh, this is a guy that can just completely hold it down. Like, he's the anchor of a team uh, for the most part. So it's like, you know, there are a lot of teams that are going to be wanting to pay big money for him, even if it is for one year. Um, I mean, fuck, like, there's going to be cap issues next year, but this is some guy that you would want to lo lock up, like, long-term for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and like this is a guy that came fourth in Norris voting this year, just missed out on um the final, like, the finals. Yeah, the nominations. Being a yeah. finalist. Um and was well ahead of fifth place um so this is a very very good defenseman um yeah and i mean the way he plays he's got years left in the bank like this is not this is not a 30 year old that you're going to pay for the next couple of years this is a 30 year old that you very well could see playing into his late 30s right. um so i mean you know you look at i mean i feel like almost like Shea Weber is a comparable. Um, I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the trade for with him and PK Subban um, at the time, like myself included, I thought, man, like what a dumb trade. Um, you're, you're getting an older, like kind of over the hump defenseman for like the, one of the most electric defensemen in the league. But here we are a few years later, Shea Weber's still going strong. Um, and Subban's, Subban's a little bit off the map. So, it's gonna be interesting to see. Uh, I just, I just hope he he gets kind of the money that he deserves. Um, I I think without you know, a doubt he will. I think yeah, so. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where he lands because I mean, bringing in a premier defenseman like that automatically makes whatever team signs him a hell of a lot better. Definitely. Um, so that's that's gonna be an exciting one. Um, and we'll 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 have to have to keep you updated on that one because coming up it's coming up in a couple of weeks so we'll find out probably sooner rather than later yeah um yeah For sure. and i think i think the only other move or, or big news other than the the awards obviously is um big trade well not a, not a big trade it, a trade <laughs> between <laughs> it's the, a big the trade buffalo sabers now yeah minnesota wild buffalo sabers one for one eric stall going to buffalo and um not ryan johansson the other johansson yeah um, um what's his name god damn it marcus johansson yeah there you go going the other way um so i don't know what you think about this one i think like everything i've read about this has kind of said all oh, like what a great move for buffalo um and i think it very well maybe but i think marcus johansson what he has to offer is being a little bit uh underrated by by a lot of people going back to minnesota um but maybe maybe just to start on the what 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 eric stall comes to the, brings to the table 
So Eric Stahl had a 10-team no-trade list. Um, my first question is, why wasn't Buffalo on that list? <laughs> Seriously, that would be number <laughs> like, one for me. It's like, like why, why would you ever want to live in Buffalo? Can you, why would there be 10 other cities that you would rather not live in? Than Buffalo. Yeah. yeah Second, seriously. how are there 10 teams that you would rather not play for than Buffalo? Um, so right there, big question mark, but I guess I guess they were off his list. Maybe he didn't think it was possible. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but <laughs> so the Sabres GM is actually an ex-teammate of Eric Stahl's in Carolina. Um, so he 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 made the move there. Um Stahl comes in, he's 35 years old. Um, so, you know, old, but I think everybody kind of thought he was done a couple of years ago and then he put up 40 goals. So yep. obviously still productive, um, gets paid. He's one and a quarter million less of a cap hit than Marcus Johansson. Um, and one thing like he's gonna, that's a, that's a second line center. You can take a lot of pressure off your first line, Jack Eichel, because yeah. I think two two seasons in a row, we've seen Jack Eichel absolutely tear the league apart for about forty five games, um, and then the load is just too much. Um, I think very very few people, if anybody, can maintain that level given the supporting pieces that he doesn't have um, for an eighty two game season, especially in the NHL. Um, so having that kind of second line center someone else that can score um lots of experience there and a relatively inexperienced team um that that might be very valuable for uh buffalo i don't think it'll put them over the hump by any means but that, that could be good and one other thing is that uh he's an ex-teammate of jeff skinner so there you go skinner had a had a notably bad year this year um maybe back. he can get maybe he can get him rolling again. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll see about that. But I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a risk. They both have one year left on their contract. So um, you can't say that in, in that terms, one, one is much better than the other. But Mark Johansson's only 29, um, has struggled with injuries. But I, I mean, I feel like Marcus Johansson, like, I don't, I don't want to say he has a higher upside because I think Eric Stahl has proven that He's he can still put in 40, 40 bingos, and I mean uh, that, that that's nothing to scoff at. Um, but I feel like Marcus Johansson very good in kind of a role playing capacity, and I think that's exactly what Minnesota needs from him. Um, so I I mean I think I I think this is kind of a win win. Um, Buffalo gets the experience they need to get their second line center. Um, Minnesota gets someone a little bit younger that they can rely on for a couple couple more years. Um, and if Marcus Johansson can stay healthy, that will be that that'll be a big pickup, I think, for uh for the Wild. Yeah. So I mean, coming in here, like Eric Stahl, uh, damage three point two five mil. Uh, so yeah. not bad at all. And then you have Johansson at four point five mil. So. Minnesota taking on a little bit more of a heftier hit there. But uh, that being said, they also are, they have cap room. Like they don't really have anybody that they're paying out the ass for um, like 
I mean, yeah. realistically, it's Minnesota. Like, there's no. Well, they have Ryan Ryan Suter, right? It's making yeah, that's like true. what nine. Uh, or J- yeah, yeah, no, yeah. They had. I was gonna say they had Zucker, but not anymore. Yeah, he's um, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Uh, and then so I mean, yeah. You look at like I'm not gonna lie, Mike. This is kind of one of those trades that I'm like, okay, and like, <laughs> like what? Is, uh, seriously uh, though, like what is this gonna do for either of those teams? Like I understand, like Buffalo, I think honestly got the better end of the stick because yeah, you're getting a, a vet in Eric Stahl, and you know, I, I just I or sorry, I think Minnesota won the trade is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, yeah, I kind of think so as well. Because Eric Stahl is like you're you're getting a vet, but like, what is what is Eric Stahl gonna do on on the Buffalo Sabers? Like, yeah, seriously, yeah, I did like, nothing. And then like, yeah, you I don't know. You look at the Wild, like they're <laughs> they're also shit. Like they're not they're not bad. Like they're not okay. They're not shit, but they're they're not great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I said it like yeah. in, I think it was like the first episode. They've they've been so good at being just mediocre, right? So it's like yeah. I don't know yeah. what the what the what is the point? Like, what is the point of even making a trade like this? Like <laughs> seriously? Yeah. Well, it's a good question in terms of like, what is Buffalo going to accomplish in the time that Eric Stahl has left in the league that really makes it worthwhile, right? Yeah. Um, and the only thing really, like, I don't think you can reasonably expect a cup run. Maybe, maybe you can take a run at making the playoffs. Right. Um, but you're not like, I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. Sabres fans out there. You're not going to win the cup next year. Probably not even the year after that or the year after that. Or Um, the year after that. Yeah. I mean, not, (laughs) not the way your organization's going, regardless of who the players on your team are. Um, so, I mean, that's the, the one thing could be player development. It takes a little bit of pressure off Jack Eichel's shoulders, having that experience in the room, you know, kind of uh, helping those young guys develop. They do have a lot of young talent. Um, takes a little bit of pressure off Casey Middlestat, um, who they tried to bring in this year and really didn't look, didn't look up to snuff no, in the NHL. Did not um, so, I mean, like, there, there are definitely positives there. Um, Marcus Johansson going the other way though. I think the big thing is if he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, Minnesota 100% is going to be a happy camper with this one. Um, and given how he's performed, unless he has an insane season this year, you probably are expecting to be able to re-sign him at a lower cap hit or sell him at the deadline. You know, this is a guy that you could, he's bounced around a bit, give him to a cup contender, you know? Um, cause I mean like 4.5, I will say 4.5 is a little bit steep, steep for someone of Marcus Johansson's, um, caliber, given what he's provided the last couple of seasons with injuries included. Um, but you're looking like he's making the same amount as Nazem Kadri. He's making the same amount as Darcy Kemper. Um, you know, he's making more than Jordan Bennington, Alex, Alex Kalorn, Sean Couturier, right? Um, these are the, these are the people in that kind of ballpark. Um, so is he worth that? Maybe not. Um, but if you have the cap space, it really doesn't matter. Right. If you're not, if you're not right up against the cap and you, you can afford to pay him, honestly, who cares? Uh, if you think it'll make your team better and I think it does make their team better. Um, maybe not significantly in the immediate future, but 
couple years down the road, I think what you're gonna, either what he's going to offer your team or what you're going to be able to get for him is definitely more um, than what Eric Stahl will. I think Eric Stahl is depreciating in value. Obviously, he's 35. Um, that's usually about as old as forwards get, other than yeah. the occasional um, Justin Williams type. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Minnesota, I think that, that Marcus Johansson is a piece that you you immediately think of kind of the like I, I mean I'm thinking he he got he went to Boston a couple of years ago, didn't he? Um yep. when, you know, like play on their third line is a great great player to have on your third line making a playoff run, right? So um something like that. But uh again, again we'll have to see. We'll have to see how it plays out. But I think Marcus Johansson from the GM's perspective gives them a lot more room to kind of make moves, build a team. Um and Buffalo is kind of just treading water at this point. Like, if, yeah, I mean, if, if that, it, it, <laughs> they're they're taking on water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're sinking like fast. Um, I yeah. mean, on the bright side, there's a lot of like, I mean, there's a lot of UFAs. I don't know, like, pretty much, yeah. pretty much. Uh, we got one, two, three, four, five, six Fords are UFAs after the twenty twenty one season so it's like at least they could potentially rebuild like completely rebuild their forwards if they wanted to um yeah and i mean you you have some good rfas like um curtis lazar good uh center right wing he's developing you know he's 25 which is you know and then same with dominic cahoon also rfa also 25 so these guys like are not bad and then you have uh, Victor Olofsson, which he had a really, really mm-hmm. good year. And then yeah. Sam Reinhardt, who he's been fairly consistent last year. Not really that great. Uh, but, you know, everybody has those up and down years. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's not necessarily like anybody would expect him to uh, perform like he did. Not this season, but the last season. Uh, mm-hmm. And But, man, like Victor Olofsson is, is uh, looking very promising. Um, oh, insane. Yeah, and he, on that power play, he was he was unreal. So... I feel like if if Jack Eichel can get Jeff Skinner to be like consistent, and then you also yeah. bring in like maybe one other piece, like then then because I feel like a lot of the problem in Buffalo is like it's literally Jack Eichel versus the world. If you can't have a supporting team member to to help him out, you're you're screwed. And I mean, fuck, Jack Eichel is is getting frustrated. You can tell that he is because he said it before. Like, what the fuck. And not to mention, too, like, yeah. the fans. Oh, my God. Like, oh, it's essentially dude. like Jack Eichel has to try to put out a massive fucking dumpster fire with a water gun. It's not going <laughs> to happen, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, but you make a good point. Like, Olofsson looked great. Um, I think um, Sam Reinhardt, I kind of consider, like, I think he's the type of player that would be insanely good on a good team. Like, yeah. I mean, you you plug him into like obviously anybody's gonna look good on Tampa Bay, but like even like kind of like a Sam Bennett kind of role, right? You know, right. where I think I actually think Reinhardt might be a little bit better than Sam Bennett, um, but you know if he's playing with really good players, has good players around him, he's not getting the tough matchups. This guy can play, oh, um, yeah. and for to Buffalo's credit, they had decent goaltending from Carter Hutton this last year. Um, Linus Olmark didn't look terrible either, and 
kind of under the radar because he's playing in Buffalo and nobody likes Buffalo other than Buffalo fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rasmus Dalin. Yeah. This guy, I mean, he's been in the league what? This was his second year in the league? He's not even 21 yet. This guy was a very young 18-year-old oh, yeah, when he got drafted. Eight. That's crazy. Yeah. So this guy is still 20 years old um, and turns turns 21 in the spring. The 2000, baby. Holy shit. There's also a whole, um, uh, Yoki Haru. He's really fucking yeah, good. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, Dalian, like, I mean, he hasn't had the greatest rookie in sophomore seasons. Um probably because he's playing for the Buffalo Sabres. Yes. Um, but this guy, by all accounts, is going to be a stud in this league. Um, and I, I mean, it's only a matter of time, I think. So this could be his breakout year. If it's not, I'm, I'm sure he will get there. Um, so that's another piece. If you can build around that, you know, um, they, they don't have like, the, I don't think they have the worst team in the league. They just need some continuity in terms of the coaching staff, the GM, kind of let the players develop as a team. Yes. Um, they might not be terrible, um, but we'll have to see. Maybe, maybe the experience of an Eric Stahl-type player is going to be really valuable for them. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, nobody likes losing, and they have lost a lot a in lot the last few seasons. Um, and someone like Jack Eichel, man, like, that he he's not going to stick around forever no. at a certain point a player of that caliber wants to play playoff hockey could we say um, like top five uh center in the league yeah i i think easily yes, I, I agree you could easily say that i agree um this guy absolutely insane probably the reason my fantasy team was unbeatable this year <clears throat> no big deal there <laughs> um but <laughs> but yeah the we'll we'll have to see um but i think like the eric stall like eric stall definitely does have benefits coming in there that marcus johansson doesn't bring to the table um whereas i think marcus johansson does things for minnesota that eric stall doesn't um so i i think at this point in time we can kind of call it a win-win um and we'll have to see kind of how it plays out to to make any further um decision on that one yeah well said yeah yeah, so I think might as well hop on over to, to the awards. Some of these a little bit more controversial, I think, than others. Yeah, I would, um, agree. I would agree. So my first tab here is the Vesna. So we're going to start with the Vesna. Yep. Um, Connor Hellebuck taking it home. Tuka Rask and Andre Vasilevsky as the finalists. Um, I personally think this is a no-brainer. Yep. Hellebuck was insanely good. Uh, especially at the beginning of the year. Um, I haven't found it anywhere, or I couldn't find it anywhere like today, but it was something like in the first 40 games, Winnipeg gave up the most grade A scoring chances of any team in the league by a very significant margin. Um, and they were still right on the cusp of playoffs. Um, so this guy was standing on his head. Yeah. Um, and I mean even like in the playoffs this guy is in like there were games against calgary where it felt like the puck just wasn't gonna go in the net he just wasn't gonna let it um so not really any arguments there one no, notable uh, thing here for me just b before you go yeah of course andre vasilevsky this is three years in a row he's been a finalist he won it last year at the age of 25 three finalists for vesna already 
um, was close to becoming the first player since Martin Brodeur in, I think, 06, 07 um, to win back-to-back Vesnas. Um, so nothing to laugh at there. Uh, and I mean, there's definitely like, you could definitely make an argument that he deserved to win it this year. I, I don't think he did. Um, but there's an argument there. So right. three, three great goalies, um, Andre Vasilevsky, obviously in the cup final. Now Winnipeg didn't quite make it and Tuka Rask not, not getting a chance to play, um, the whole playoffs. But what do you think on this one? Well, to be honest, man, like I we said it in an earlier episode, like Halibuck was a, a no-brainer for this award. Like, you know, yeah. I can't see a better individual getting this award. You know, yeah. Uh, he was uh second in wins with thirty-one, first in shutouts with six in the regular season. By the way, this is it's just insane. regular season. Yeah, seventh in save percentage with a nine twenty-two. And these are among it says here uh, in brackets among goalies who played at least twenty games because you can't like. You know, you can't yeah. get a backup for like eight games and <laughs> yeah. have him have crazy yeah. stats and be like, yeah, here's Tristan Vesna. Jerry. Yeah, yeah, Jari, exactly. Um, yeah, he was 31, 21, and 5 with uh, a 2.57 goals against average and allowed two or fewer goals in 32 of his 58 games to help the Jets. So, yeah, it's it like there were so many games that I watched of the Jets where it was essentially like, you know, the Jets were still trying to figure out what the fuck was going on in their own end. They would lose <laughs> it like six times, and Hellebuck yeah. would bail, bail them out like almost every single time. And it was yeah. like, okay, so at least he's playing well. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I know That's all for, they need. Yeah, exactly. I know for like at least three to four of those shutouts that he got out of the six, uh, the, it was absolute like domination by the other team, but it was Hellebuck who was like, no. You know, you're not winning this game. Like, I'm standing on my head. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, yeah this guy guy popped off. And, I mean, there's a very easy argument to say he was by far the MVP of the, the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, you look at the, the playoffs or play-ins against uh, Calgary. Shifley out, Line out, Kyle Connor not producing that well. Right. That game, that went to five games, right? Like, yeah. that was that was Connor Hellebuck. That was all Connor Hellebuck. Um, they almost got through, too. Like, it was very yeah. close. Yeah. And, I mean, so he's also a workhorse. He played fifty more than 50 games for them this season in a shortened season. This guy plays an insane number of games. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, actually, I'm just seeing here, first ever uh, Winnipeg Jets slash Atlanta Thrashers goalie to win the Vesna in Jeez. franchise history. That's awesome. So that's, Good for him. That's not, Setting not history, too. One. Yeah. And also, I'm noticing 283 votes for the Hart Trophy. So came came in sixth, close sixth geez. for uh, for Hart. And I mean, I I think that's totally fair. If you look at the team around him and how important he was to Winnipeg's success, like there's it's not not much of an argument there. I think he's definitely deserving of this one. Yeah, and like just one more uh, quick little stat here, which this is incredible. Okay, so. Hellebuck faced at least 37 shots in 13 regular season games, and his record was 10 wins, one loss, and two overtime losses, with a 2.08 goals against average and a 9.49 save percentage in those games. Jesus. This guy was actually doing better when he was facing over 37 shots. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, 
yeah, like, <laughs> not a big deal. Like, you know what I mean? Holy yeah. fuck, this guy's on... Uh, yeah, this is why it's a no-brainer is because, like I said before, you see some of those games that they played and it was, like, total domination by the other team and I'm thinking in my head, like, holy shit, there's one player on the Jets that actually wants to win right now and he's in the net. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, straight up. Yeah. But we can yeah. move on. All right, yeah. Next up, we have uh, the Hart Trophy going to Leon Dreisaitl. Um, it's this is crazy to me that a team can have. Uh, is it the last two Hart Trophy winners? Yep. And Ted Lindsay's with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Also, the fact that Connor McDavid wasn't even a finalist for this award is is insane to me. But that a team can have two players like that and and be as not good as they are. But that's that's kind of beside the point. Led the NHL with 110 points in 71 games. That's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's insane. Um, he had second in even strength points. Like this guy was an absolute monster this year. And I don't know what the exact stat was, but he had the most rushes that started in his end like in his defensive zone and ended in the, the offensive zone. So this guy was like more than Connor McDavid, who Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon are the two you think of as like the electric rush player, get the puck kind of behind their net and just zoom down the ice. You know, how, how yeah. do you stop them? Leon Dreisaitl led the league by a significant margin in that category, um, which isn't necessarily something you would, you would automatically associate him with, but he was dominant in all facets of the game. Um, I don't like I, I think he probably was the best player this year. Oh I, without a doubt. I think I, I think like I'm a little bit on the fence. I think in terms of if I had had to vote for this award, I maybe wouldn't have put him first, just because I don't necessarily think he's the most valuable to his team. Um out of those three. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yeah. So like you know, obviously, this was done before the play-ins playoffs started, um, so the playoffs are completely um, excluded from this. Um, and maybe it's more the playoffs that made this obvious. But Nathan McKinnon basically was the Colorado Avalanche for a significant portion of the playoffs this year. Right. Um, having not seen a lot of their regular season games, I can't say for sure that that's been the case all season. Um, and I mean, even Artemi Panarin, like. This guy, this guy put the Rangers over the top. The what he did to the players around him, Zibanejad had an insane year. Um, so, I mean, there there's arguments there. Um, I don't I don't feel strongly enough about any of them to really vehemently disagree okay. with Drysaddle winning this one. Because I was gonna um, say, I was like, uh, well, then who would who would you pick? But... Yeah, I mean, I I I think were it me. I would probably go Panarin. Yeah. Given the, like, I mean, if you're just voting regular season, it's tough though, because they were on fire the second half of the season and then had the season completed as it normally would. I think Panarin in terms of points and like just straight, like measurable numbers would have been right up there with McKinnon and Dreisaitl. Um, oh, I, I agree. Yep. So it's, it, it's a little bit tough. Um, but in terms of value to their team, like I'm looking at each of these guys, Colorado, pretty stacked, like very good team, all around good team. 
Yeah. You take Nathan McKinnon out of that, I think they're still a playoff team. Maybe not top four, but they're oh, definitely, definitely still a playoff. Yeah. Leon Dreisaitl, you take him out of the Edmonton team. They're definitely a worse team. Connor McDavid probably gets more points. Um, but are they that much worse? Whereas Panarin, I feel like you take Panarin out of that New York Rangers team. We saw that a couple of seasons ago. They're really no, nowhere near the same team. So, I mean, obviously it's hard to give it to a player that didn't really have a lot of success, technically did make the playoffs though. Um, or no, technically didn't. So, so that's a little bit rough on him. Um, but I, I think I would give it to Panarin. Yeah, I think that would be that would be mine. Yeah, I I mean I would have given it to. I think to me like Dry is probably like I I can't think of anybody else to to get that award. Yeah. To be honest, I mean no, like he so just little numbers here. Um, Edmonton was twenty four five and two when he scored this season, and thirteen twenty and seven when he didn't. So Jesus. So they like lost seven more games when he didn't score. It, it just goes to show you that Edmonton definitely suffered when he wasn't producing. But that being said, there was also like a lot of games that I watched where I was like, "Oh, Dreisaitl hasn't scored." There wasn't many of those at all because he had scored in pretty much all of them. So yeah. And then, um, that's all I have for numbers wise. But I mean, uh, a little. Uh, you know, honor to Deutschland. He's the first German-born player to win oh, the Hart no Trophy. Kidding. So true. Yeah, it's a uh, it's, yeah, it's one of the yeah. you know he, that's that's pretty awesome for like that's yeah. got to be a big totally. honor, you know. And I mean, German league, like those guys are coming in hot. Watch out, NHL. You got Stutzel this year, or Stutzley apparently. Um, <laughs> like, there's gonna be. I think we're gonna start seeing a lot more German players in the NHL. Yeah, um, their program is getting I mean, a lot better. Yeah, and I, I can't, I, I find it hard to disagree with you because I would say, like, he was, wasn't he like the fastest ever or like the second fastest ever to 90 points in the, yes. the cap era, something like that? Um, and it's kind of the sort of thing where if he didn't win this year and then you're looking back on it, it's like, okay, well, when, how could he win? Um, so I definitely think it's fair to give it to him. Um, but I, I, as, I, as I said, I think there's arguments for, for any of the top three, really. Yeah. Um, but it's nice nice to see Dreisaitl win. Nice nice to see it coming to, to a Canadian team, even if he's not Canadian himself. Um, yes. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they can translate that into some team success in the next couple of years. Because let me tell you, that power play with Dreisaitl and McDavid and James Neal and Ryan Nugent Hopkins was absolutely electric to watch this season. Yeah, probably seriously. some of the most fun I've had watching hockey, even in the Chicago series. So it's it's kind of a shame we haven't got to see more deep runs from them um, outside of the one year. So hopefully, hopefully they're able to put it together there. Um, but yeah, congratulations to to Leon Drysaddle there. Um, go on to the Calder. I know I know you're going to be very happy about this one. Oh, buddy, um, fire so, up. Kale McCarr taking it home, beating out Quinn Hughes and Dominic Kubalik. Um, Kubalik, very much so an outside outsider looking in on this one. Um, I don't think anybody really gave him a chance to win this. Um, no fault of his own. The guy was incredible this year. But K 
Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes were in a league of their own. Didn't look like rookies even in the slightest. Um, you could even like that. These guys are both going to be Norris in the competition for the Norris for years to come. Um, so yeah, what 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 are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, just looking at the points here because this is I I think it's like a the way that they do the voting is it's like NHL uh, a group of NHL writers or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I I tend to to say that's probably you know if you're gonna have anybody vote on it I would say those are probably the most qualified because they would know yeah. the ins and well, outs of the games to the fullest. But and that's that's the one thing that the Ted Lindsay, which I think Drysaddle also won, which yes. is voted for voted by players. Um, so I think a lot of players put more emphasis on that one just because it's kind of you're being recognized by your peers as opposed to a right. bunch of people sitting in press boxes. Yeah. Um, but this one. I mean, I think I th- I don't think there's any any self-voted one. So this no. is it. And I feel like feel like the the writers and everyone involved, they know their shit, you know. Yeah, there's not exactly. usually any any really crazy ones. Although we'll 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 get to that when we get to the Norris, but Yeah, uh um, so if you look at like quickly, like you look at the the voting between the or the the first and second place. So Kale was obviously first and Quinn Hughes was second. So mm-hmm. the voting was 1538 points to 1337. So it was very very close. Yeah. Um it could have gone either way. Uh if anything it's just, you know, like Kale McCarr had 116 votes for first place and uh Quinn Hughes had 53 and then it almost completely switches for second place. Kale McCarr had 54 second place votes and 111 uh sec- second place. So it's um to, it, the voting was really really close but yeah to be honest i can't i can't say that i'm too like surprised by this and i i know that sounds like arrogant to say somewhat but it's kind of the truth like i always thought from the beginning of the season that you know th- this is either kale or quinn hughes's trophy to to have you know yeah. what i mean like yeah either one of them would be a great fit for this trophy but like Makar just looks a hell of a lot better. Like it's it's weird to say because you know uh, Colorado has such a great supporting cast when it comes to being able to help this guy like produce. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. were a couple times where you know it was just insane to see this guy just like snap and he would just start going. And like the the one thing that really made me uh, fired up was like first round of the playoffs against Arizona. I think it was game five maybe i think it was game five the one that they put him away when uh we like i saw kale mccarr dance through oh, he danced the whole the team and then just absolutely rinsed darcy kemper like and i was like yeah. this guy is the real real deal you know oh yeah so it's like he has that kind of skill for his like technically first year in the league because mm-hmm. he played a little bit of the, the playoffs last year, but that's, the, I mean, he played like less yeah. than seven games or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, so after I saw that, I was like, okay, hey, there's, you know, you look on the other end with Quinn Hughes and like Quinn Hughes is very much a skilled player as well. But the thing is, is that like Kale McCarr brings a different level of um, intensity to the game uh, compared to Quinn. Like Quinn is still a pretty small dude. Uh, he mm-hmm. he has a lot of growing that he needs to do in terms of his body, or I hope he does at least. Well, um, I don't, he's not that much smaller than Kale McCarr, is he? Well, I'm pretty sure weight and height-wise, it's like 
a few inches and at least like 20 pounds let me let me see but while i'm while i'm looking it up it's like you know quinn hughes has that that playmaking ability and the a bit like he i mean fuck he he looked so good during the playoffs as well yeah and it's yeah. like it's not hard to make an argument for either one but that being no. said the more that i would watch makar and the more that i watched quinn hughes over this playoffs especially i noticed that there was just a little like a tiny bit of gap in terms of the intensity you know what i mean so it's like yeah so i i i know what you're talking about but i complete i actually disagree um i like i think i think that and that's partly what has let like what won makar the calder is that he's undoubtedly a more electric player like this guy can get the puck and as you said just dance the entire team and and score looks like a forward um i obviously i'm someone i i haven't i like during the regular season i didn't get to watch a ton, a ton of the west coast games um so i didn't see them play a ton um before the playoffs um but quinn hughes was starting to turn it on at the end of the season before it got paused this is one where i feel like if they played an 82 game season it would almost undoubtedly have gone to quinn hughes um i think quinn hughes is a more integrated player i feel like mccarr has his moments where he's just the best player on the ice and everyone's like holy shit what what just happened but i feel like quinn hughes is like already a seasoned defenseman doesn't necess doesn't always do the standout things he's just always kind of there being very very good um and in terms of like the high highs i think mccart is very much so that that type of player with an insanely high ceiling in terms of what he can do over the course of a game um but i feel like quinn hughes you know exactly what you're going to get and he does it every single night um and to like obviously this was voted on before the playoffs personally i was quite underwhelmed with kale mccarr's playoff run um obviously still had great moments and great games but i felt like a lot of the time when he wasn't doing that crazy shit he looked very average whereas i feel like quinn hughes every time he stepped on the ice it was like okay like here we go um and and for me for me that's a difference maker for a defenseman like that i feel like you need that sort of consistency um and so so that's why like i obviously it was very very close um but i i actually think quinn hughes should have should have taken this one home yeah and that's fair i mean you know there's going to be you could make arguments like i said before either yeah, way um definitely because both of these players are are going to be um well i mean together with the same with miro haskin and like we've seen so far in yeah. uh, the dallas stars run these guys yeah. all got taken in the same draft and man oh man like these these three i like it's very much still early in their career but if they can continue to grow after this or even i mean stay consistent with what they're doing right now uh yeah these are going to be guys that are going to be staying on teams um well i mean they're probably going to stay on the teams that they're on right now if you're the gm of yeah. that holy fuck if you let one of these guys go you're yeah. you're out I, to lunch, I mean, buddy. Hey, like, like this is this is they're the calder finalists this year maybe not next year because there's a bunch of insane defensemen in this league but 
they're going to be Norris finalists within three years. I would put money on it. Oh, 100%. Like, that, it, there's um, no doubt in my mind. So, I mean, but th this is not the last time we're going to be talking Quinn Hughes versus Kale McCarr. That's for damn sure. Oh, definitely. Um, definitely. Especially come Olympics, Canada, US. going to be a... Oh, fucking rates, buddy. Be a spicy one. Fucking rates. But, uh, but yeah, so, so that's the Calder. Um, honestly, Kubalik, like, <laughs> had an insanely good season. He did. Um, and he's kind of overshadowed by just how good Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr are. Yeah, it was in just, any, a, just a yeah. bad year, you know, like for I him mean, to yeah. be there. In any other year, 30 goals from a rookie probably you gets you the Calder. Yeah, probably 100%. gets you the Calder. Oh, definitely, dude. It just it um, sucks that it had to be this year. Like, Yeah, so, I mean, tough, tough break for him, but, I mean... Gets probably gets a nice uh, bonus for for being a finalist there. So oh yeah, prop, props to him and he had a great playoffs too. Holy shit with with Chicago. Oh buddy, um, oh, so, he looks so good. Or at least at least the series against Edmonton. Um, yeah. but yeah, so all three exciting players gonna be super fun to see them play next year. Um, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll stop being such a bitch and and stay up and watch some of the late games <laughs> so I can so I can soak in more Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes I guess I have to um but yeah hopping on over the last trophy um that got announced I I don't even know did they get announced yesterday 2 days ago um uh, yesterday I believe right yeah. so this is the Norris finalists John Carlson Victor Hedman and Roman Yossi with Roman Yossi taking it home, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. And I know this is a guy you are very, very high on. Yeah. Um, has been one of the best defensemen in the league for a long time. Um, I don't think there's any argument that he was a very, very large part of Nashville's six regular season success this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let you take it away first here. Yeah, well, I mean, this is one of those things that I was... I. I mean, I'm pretty surprised about given John Carlson and Victor Hedman. Uh, yeah. That being said, am I surprised that he he won it? No. Like, I would consider him to be one of the best 200-foot defensemen in the game uh, right now. And yeah. close second to, I would say, John Carlson and Victor Hedman. But there, it, it's just this guy has been so lights out for Nashville ever since he's stuck in like I don't know it's it's hard to argue somebody else getting this award because you see what he's able to do and I don't think people understand how good he is until you watch him play an actual game you know what I mean yeah so yeah you, you have to you have to see him play to understand just how much of an impact he has on the ice not only in his own end but also in like the offensive zone too, he's so skilled. He's got a great shot on him, and he has a playmaking ability that, like you know, of of guys who are, you know, way older than him, and doing the same thing. Like I don't know, it's he's he's thirty right now, and uh, his what's his cap hit here? So nine, yeah, nine mil. We'd say nine mil. It's nine point uh, five nine, but I mean that's kind of relevant yeah, to the yeah. point but deserving well 100 uh, and like i don't know it's 
like Nashville, a lot of guys you can take a player away and they'll still be able to perform, right? But Tampa, yeah. like Tampa Bay, you take away Victor Hedman, and yeah, Victor Hedman is a lot of their back end, but you just you get so much less if you take away Roman Yossi from the Nashville Predators. Like this yeah. team already struggles big time offensively. So if you're taking away one of their main uh like contributor for points, it's oh man, like holy. It's it's crazy to think that Roman Yossi, even though Nashville did not do very well at all this year, um it's weird to think that, you know, they still considered him highly uh, of the Norris like especially you see what Victor Hedman uh, has been able to do oh. in in the playoffs so far. Um John yeah. Carlson and the and the Capitals had a little bit of an early exit, but that being said, I mean holy fuck like I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I just I well, think this is a no-brainer and I've said that for a couple yeah. of awards, but especially for Roman Yossi, this guy is like he's the real deal. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any I I I think it makes sense that he won the award this year. Having said that, I don't think there's any argument that Victor Hedman's the best defenseman in the NHL. Yes. I mean, and I and I don't even think it's close. Right. Like, not only like obviously we've we talked about it over and over and over again. This guy is just completely dominating the playoffs this year. It's insane. Um, and making NHL like caliber players look like me on a pond in grade eight. <laughs> um but they also comparing Tampa Bay and their success this year versus the last couple of seasons in the playoffs where he's either been injured and not playing or playing injured. Um, and now we're getting to see full-fledged, healthy Victor Hedman. The guy is a fucking superhero on the ice. It's insane. Yeah. Um, so tough one. Obviously, this was also a regular season vote. Victor Hedman didn't even come second, um, was actually a fairly large margin behind John Carlson in second place. Yep. Um, and this is one, talking about who votes for these things, who the fuck gave Tony D'Angelo a Norris Trophy vote? <laughs> who, like, Drew Doughty? Are you serious? Someone, someone actually voted for Drew Doughty. They, he got a fifth did, place yeah. vote. One person yeah. did. Like, what is that? <laughs> like, what? So that's actually hilarious. I mean, a little bit questionable there. Um, both uh, Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes got votes on this list. Yeah. Um, looking, Carolina had two in the top seven: Jacob Slavin and Ducky Hamilton. Um, Columbus with Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski. Seth Jones is another one that that will will certainly be in the running for one of these in the future. Oh, definitely. Um, yep. But yeah, very very strong. I mean, there's I think more so than other the other ones of these awards like the like the Hart, um, like the Vesna. They're going into next season. I would say there's probably ten defensemen, give or take a couple, that have a very reasonable shot of taking this one home next year. Uh, there are so many good defensemen in this league. Um, yeah, and on any, scary, any eh? yeah, and in any like on any given given season, like any any one of them could just pop off. I mean, you look at John Carlson this year, just had an insane season, right? Yeah, Roman Yossi as well. Who knows? Next year it might be Rasmus Dahlin, um, yeah, someone like Heiskanen that that kind of flew under the radar during the regular season. Now we're seeing him in the playoffs. Like, oh shit, this kid is the real deal. So, um, 
Yeah, so that, that's about it on the Norris. Um, just before just before we get to the the Stanley Cup final, which I, I guess is kind of a big deal. Um, I one last thing I wanted to mention before I completely forgot. Um, very cool little deal going on between the LA Kings and Eisbaren Berlin um, in oh. the German DEL League. Um, this goes back to something I was talking about a couple weeks ago um, when uh, we were talking about Edmonton sent a couple guys over to Sweden. Um, so I guess the ownership group or the owners of the LA Kings or like the parent company also owns Berlin. Oh. Um, so the Kings are the Kings, excuse me, are sending over five prospects: Alex Turcott, Tyler Madden, Aiden Dudas, Jacob Ingham, and Akil Thomas to play with Ice Byron Berlin. Um, at least to play four out of six exhibition games with them, um, and it remains to be seen whether it goes further than that. Um, some of those names, Berlin actually also has. Um, Lucas Reichel, um, who 24th overall uh, projected in this coming draft. And wow. some of those names, Tyler Madden was on the U.S. Uh, World Junior Team. Um, I believe Aiden Dudas was on Team Canada. Akil Thomas obviously scored the, the gold medal winner. Um, so, so these are some big-time prospects. And, uh, and getting Alex their Turcotte shot, also, getting... Alex Turcotte was selected very highly in right. this past draft. Yeah, yeah, all all fairly large, like big name um, prospects, um, getting their chance to to get some pro play under their belts um, in Europe. So another one of those like that that trend of of getting getting those young guys over to Europe, getting them some some quality minutes against uh, adult legitimate men opponents, um, and we'll see how it pans out. I mean, I'm I'm honestly really excited to see more teams doing this. Um, because I think it's really valuable. Not only does it help those leagues in terms of raising the quality of those leagues and, and the kind of growing the game, um, but I feel like it definitely gives your your prospects more experience uh, and better experience, not only in terms of hockey, but in terms of just like life and going to a different continent. Um, you kind of have to grow up a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And that, that definitely, definitely would have helped some prospects that we've seen kind of struggle in the past making it into the nhl so gonna be interesting to follow that Very cool. um and i just thought i'd bring it up because because we talked about it a couple weeks ago um with edmonton and sweden so that's that but um let's 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 talk about the actual hockey that's actually happening yes right now what um, they all came to listen to yeah <laughs> yeah took us <laughs> took us a while but but we're there we're yep. there um so i uh, let's start off Game obviously one one in the series. We're recording this Tuesday night. Um, game one went to Dallas. Game two went to Tampa Bay. Um, in a actually much closer game than it originally looked like it would be. Jumped out to a really fast three three nothing lead in the the first period. Dallas kind of stormed back. It felt like at times Dallas could actually take that one. Um, but first things first. Kucherov getting absolutely lit up twice. Yeah. Um, and I know you have some things to say about that first hit by Jamie Benn um, before he also got ridden into the boards fairly close after that. Yeah, so, I mean, fuck, I, I don't know what it is. It's just 
Jamie Benn is such one of those players that I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, seriously, you don't need to play. Like, he's a very physical player. Like, you can tell just because no player in the NHL that is, that is sane is going to be wearing a helmet with no visor or cage. <laughs> so, Decent first of point. all, you're... Decent you're point. Yeah, you're you're fucking insane if you think that Jamie <laughs> Ben isn't like hard as nails. That being said, though, why the fuck does this guy keep on making like dirty hits and and like hmm. actually? Because he's a physical guy. He I've seen him yeah. lay some massive hits, but then recently, and especially in the last game, you see him like full on just headshot Nikita Kucherov, and it's so well, funny because sorry, just quickly, so yeah. many people saying that he dived like he dove like oh embellishment bro what yeah like, no what are definitely you saying? it was a drive-by the guy got headshotted as he was turning not. around like oh yeah i don't know i actually don't have i i don't think like obviously slow motion makes it look different um but i'm not convinced that jamie ben saw him coming i don't think this was like a malicious headshot um obviously it's bad he got him right in the head right around elbow height um it has all of the qualities of a very very dirty hit but if you look at jamie ben prior to the collision he's not looking across the ice he's looking down below the goal line it looks like he looks up and sees kucherov at the last second and kind of braces himself for it yeah and just catches kucherov's head um I'm willing to give Jamie Ben the benefit of the doubt on this one. Maybe that's naive of me, um, but obviously not good for Kucherov. That that I mean, that that can't feel good <laughs> at yeah. all. No. Um, and then he he got banged into the boards as well. So he left. I think he left the game. Yeah, he did. So leave he's for a he's bit. definitely a little banged up. Um, but this this is one of those ones. I mean, I feel like that's this is kind of where I draw the line in terms of what do you call as like a dirty hit or like a headshot, and what do you can deem acceptable in terms of keeping the game physical um, and having like massive six six and a half foot guys flying around a tiny ice surface, right? Um, some collisions like this are kind of unavoidable. Um, but definitely not good for, for Tampa Bay if Kucherov has any lasting effects from these hits. Yeah, seriously. It's, uh, it's <laughs> bad because, I don't know, like, even if Jamie Ben did not mean to do that, yeah, still, you get, you get dummied like that, and it's like, holy fuck, all right, well, you got to try to bounce back, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, but I, I don't know. I think he's going to be all right. Let's just hope that uh, they, can, they don't have to go without uh, another star forward. Um, yeah fingers crossed yeah because so. they're in terms of in terms of the the war of attrition the tampa bay is definitely losing yes. dallas by all um external appearances seems to be maybe not perfectly healthy but pretty close to it yeah tampa bay is struggling i mean Braden point is 100 percent playing injured looks like kucherov is playing injured at this point stammer hasn't played a game yet Although he actually did take warm-ups with them before game two. So I would, I, it's looking like he's going to make a comeback before the end of the series, obviously, depending how the series goes. Um, but that's huge for them. 
um, especially if they're kind of starting to struggle with with injuries to their other top guys, um, like Kucherov and Point. Yes. Oh, okay. And quickly, um, I don't know. I, I'm gonna send it uh, to you right now. I don't know if you saw this hit uh, of Ryan McDonough on Blake Como. See that that right there is the type of and you'll watch it in a second when because I just sent it. But yeah, that is the type of hit that you want from a player. That's an electric shoulder to sh shoulder. Like it mm -hmm. looks like his head gets hit because of how fast yeah, it's snapping. Yeah, it kind of whiplashes. Yeah, that yeah. is a hit. Yeah, and then you know what? Like Blake Como had to go off after that. Like he went to yeah. the room immediately. And I'm pretty sure he's out with a shoulder injury. Um, that is like, that's a big hit. And you know what? Ryan mm -hmm. McDonough did not need, he didn't raise. Like you can see he, no, he squares him up. He's skating yeah. somewhat backwards and just lays him out. Like yeah, doesn't get carried away with it. Just lays out, lays a good body on him. Oh yeah. Um, and and it's like, oh, it's, it's a great hit. And those are the type of hits that I like to see. I don't yeah. like to. I don't like to see headshots. The the no. funny part is though, is that if you are Blake Como, you gotta thank God damn that sucks because he didn't even have the puck for a second. It looked like he was trying. <laughs> yeah. He tried to like do a little kick move as it's going through his leg, but no, he he just gets laid just the gets fuck out. Lit up. And you know yeah. what? You can't even call interference on that because it looked like he touched the puck. Like in in yeah. Like it would have. Yeah. I would have thought for sure if it was like full speed, he would have had like a little tip on it or something because he looks like he's doing a little soccer move. But ooh, yeah, yeah. He, that's he, what we call that. That's 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 what I define as as a modern day suey pass. Yeah. Not quite as bad as they used to be, but that that is not a friendly pass from whoever gave him the puck there. <laughs> yeah, he got. He got Looks like McDonough though. had him lined up before the puck was even passed. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah it, it was savage, but yeah, just thought so, I'd throw that yeah. out there. Yeah, so I mean, what's your take on the series so far? I know neither of us got to watch all of game two. Um, yeah. Got to catch catch bits and pieces and then then some highlights as well. Um, but I, I, I don't know about you, I saw all, was able to see all of game one. Um, and I mean, well, yeah, what, 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 what's your take on the series so far? Well, I mean... I ha I didn't really get to see all of game one either, but from what I've seen and the the highlights that you know I kind of pop in and watch here and there, uh, it's it's kind of looking like it's anybody's series. Like, yeah, game one was was definitely a little bit of a, uh, well, it was four one, right? So yeah. you can't really say that it was that, you know, it wasn't a, an extreme blowout, but it also wasn't like necessarily a a, a you know, an even matchup per se. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. that being said, uh, game two, uh, Tampa got out to the early lead and then was able to, um, you know, hold on to it for a bit b before Dallas started coming back like they they always do and they have uh, in these playoffs. They, they, they're, they're always fighting. It doesn't matter at what point in the game. You can always <laughs> expect Dallas Stars to be playing 100% effort. Um, like no game is ever finished. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, especially with these guys. So, um, like things to kind of note, like, man, can we talk about clutch players? Um, like Joe Pavelski, like Joe Pavelski is oh just that guy that, you know, when you, you think that your team is down and out, he's one of those guys that just, just plugs away and, and gets you a goal that starts, you know, it starts the momentum, right? Um, mm -hmm. he, he scored in game two with a typical Joe Pavelski oh. standing in front of the net tip. Uh, this guy's done this a thousand times now, so it's not to, it's not unexpected. 
Oh, holy man. Every time I see the, the pucks, like, get shot from the blue line, and you see the slow motion tip and the redirections from Pavelski, it's, oh, man, it's it's 10 yeah. out of 10. Like, it is amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, really liking Joe Pavelski uh, in the playoffs so far, and he, you know, they almost brought it back in game two. Like, Tampa only won 3-2, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it was it was very, very close towards the end because um, Matias Yanmark had one late in the third. Or was it early in the third? Maybe it was, yeah, I think it was somewhat early. Five minutes in. There we go. Uh, so, but yeah, that, that being said, like, I don't know. It's pretty even um, in terms of the matchup. Tampa kind of looks like uh, for the first and the second game that they needed to kind of like, you know, uh, find themselves a, a little bit against a team that plays very, very like similar hockey to the Islanders, but also has that like offensive uh, kind of shine to their team that I don't think the Islanders necessarily could be consistent with. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's so like I I think I said what did I say Tampa and five? I, I think, think you so, said right? Tampa and five. Yeah. So technically, I'm still in the running. You're still going strong. Right? So, I yeah. mean, we're not done yet, but uh, our takes on the pond here are strictly uh, shit. Except for your last <laughs> series. That was good. That was great. You nailed Dude, that, that was, I can't believe I got that, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, a little side note there. But, yeah, um, so it's still possible. But, yeah, I don't know. Tampa is definitely going to have to come out a little stronger because um, it's like the first period, it was good. And then it was the second period. They had about seven to eight minutes where they were just trying to get it out of their own zone, like passing mm -hmm. to passing without losing it uh, and having it go the other direction. So if yeah. Tampa can come prepared from the start of every single period, I think Tampa is definitely going to be the like, or has been the better team. But you can't afford to slip up in the Stanley Cup final. So the Stars yeah. are coming out and they're playing physical hockey. They're playing um, really grindy, greasy hockey. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's not about what kind of hockey you play. It's it's if you win the cup or not. And, you know, Dallas is definitely a team that, that could uh, shock Tampa Bay and uh, the whole league for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. Um, game one, obviously, Dallas took that one. Um, game two, Tampa Bay came out hard. I mean... They, they three nothing. The third goal, I think they scored with about five, four and a half minutes left in the first, and then within the next two minutes, they easily could have had two more. Um, it easily, like it very easily, could have been five nothing going to the second. Um, Kudobin or Hudobin, very important piece for uh, for Dallas here. Uh, who would have thought? the beginning of the playoffs yeah, ben bishop seriously. played played one game and had like a five gaa like okay <laughs> fine lit up um but after that first period um the way dallas battled not only the way dallas battled back but just the the, the ice feel, felt like it tilted um the first period i think at one point the shots were like 13 to 2 or something crazy like that for tampa bay um at the end of the game, Dallas relative, like kind of significantly outshot Tampa. Um, they were out, up 26-20 at one point. Um, so if you take that first period out of this series so far, if you just look at the other five periods that they've played, I think Dallas has looked sig 
significantly better. Yep. Um, and not necessarily better in the sense that they're just objectively the better team. Because I think on paper, obviously, Tampa is completely insanely stacked. It's it's bullshit. Um, but yeah. it feels like Dallas kind not not that they have their number because they haven't really played. They've played two games. Um, but it feels like Dallas is like one of those teams that they can just they they can play whatever style or how whatever way they need to to beat any specific team. Um, and it feels like the game one was kind of a crapshoot. Uh, they ended up winning it 4-1 um, and maybe had a better game plan going in. They were a little bit more rested. Um, but it feels to me like maybe they just are better able to play against Tampa Bay than Tampa Bay is able to play against them. In, yeah. in, like, in a vacuum, not playing against any specific other team, I think Tampa's the better team. Um, but just a one-to-one matchup i feel like tampa bay has less over dallas dallas is doing a better job of negating tampa's strong points um and playing to their own strengths as well um one thing i would say power plays are going to be so huge yes for the rest of this series i'm not sure if two or all three of tampa's goals in game two were on the power play i know two of them were two out of four um Two out of three. If, two out of four in the series. Two out of four on uh, for game two. Like Tampa was they won two. Three, two though. No, sorry, they were they were two for four on the power play as well. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, 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 yeah sorry. Two. Yeah, so fifty percent. That's unreal. Yes. I believe one of Dallas's was on the peeper as well. Yep, one for um, five for Dallas. Yeah. So, I mean, the the penalties are going to be huge, and it's going to be de- going to depend on how it's called as well. Like that Jamie Ben hit. That could easily get called as yes. interference. Oh yeah, could, that could easily yeah. that could be a five in a game. If we're being honest, yeah, and, um, and taking him out of the lineup would be yeah. very detrimental yeah. to the stars. I think, yeah, I mean, on the on the stars side, I think Jamie Ben is the the front runner um, for the Art Ross. Yes. Were they to win, um, so I mean, I. I it's hard to say, like, you don't really know how banged up Tampa Bay really is. We don't know if Dallas is banged up and they're just not showing it. Like, it's, it's hard to know. But it feels like Dallas is just playing downhill. It feels like they're, they've got momentum and just everything kind of just is working. And I, 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 I think it's going to be so hard for Tampa Bay to beat them. And I think the longer the, the, longer the series goes, the better it is for Dallas. And the way it's going, I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be able to close it out quickly. Um, one X factor is obviously Steven Stamkos. He could completely change the complexion of the series. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's still, that's, that's not a guarantee, right? So, right. Um, I don't know. I'm, I like, oof, Dallas, Dallas now looks like the Dallas that I thought was going to be in the, the, the Calgary series or in the round robin. Like coming in, that was that was what I was expecting from Dallas, and it's taken them a while to get there. And I feel like they've scaled up every single series, and every single series they've played a different type of team and had to play a different way to beat each of them, like slightly differently. Um, and they're able to kind of do that. They're a very versatile team. They're big. They're fast. They're strong. Um, they're getting scoring from all over the place, um, and goaltending too. Like. I don't know, man. It, it it's crazy because Tampa's so good. 
like they have so many good players um but they're competing man yeah yeah i mean it's it's tough it's like yeah i don't know it's like the patty maroon alex kalorn like those guys are gonna have to be big time in this series for tampa to win yeah um because I, I feel like Dallas isn't going to let the quick guys like the Goudreau um, Palat line. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't like, I think they, they did score in the last game. Um, but I feel like that sort of line, like that absolutely lit up the Islanders. Dallas isn't going to let that fly. It's going to be a lot more scrappy front of the net power play goals. Um, so it's going to come down to that. And good thing Tampa got their power play going. Cause they were, what like zero for eleven midway through game game one in their last eleven attempts? Yeah, they uh, they were not uh yeah. not rolling so, on the PP. So, so definitely good that that's clicking. Um, but dude, we have a series on our hands. This is this yeah. is gonna be a fun one to watch. And either way, I like whoever wins the cup now, very very deserving. Oh yeah. Um, and oh, it's gonna be spicy. Yeah, you know, uh, like just to round out, um, like. Tampa playing with, like I've always said, they've played that with that chip on their shoulder from last year. And they, you know, um, they, they don't want to get embarrassed again, like they did, uh, against Columbus last year. So, you know, they're playing really, really good hockey. I think if anything, Tampa is kind of playing how the Dallas stars were playing in previous rounds. Like it was almost like, you know, the other team would be somewhat dominant or you just think they would be. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they, they would go down the ice and score. You know what I mean? Like so it's like, switch, yeah. Yeah. It was like what, you know, they would have maybe 10 or 11 less shots, but those shots that they did get on net were like grade A opportunities and they ended up in the back of the net, right? So I feel like um, Dallas is kind of coming out and being like that, you know, we're controlling the game, but Tampa has been able to find the back of the net, which is at the end of the day, that's that's all you need to do to win the game is, yeah. is score, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if uh, if you get one chance or, or 20, if you win one, nothing, that's, you know, that's all it is, yeah. right? So, but yeah, yeah. that being yeah. said, I, I really am impressed with um, Tampa's power play again, which has always been fun to watch. Um, we got a highly physical series too, obviously with Dallas, yeah. but Tampa, 51 hits to Dallas's Yeah, 50. they were over, over 100 hits, yeah. Yeah, so that being said, like, I if you would have told me at the end of the series that, you know, even in one of the games, Tampa was out hitting Dallas, I would have been very surprised. So uh, mm-hmm. it's very cool to, see, cool to see that the Lightning are stepping up their um, their physicality and, and able to match that. And, yeah, to be honest, man, like, like let's just do a quick, um, you know, what who's winning the next game? Like, just... Oh, I, I think I, Dallas wins the next game. I think Tampa picks up the next game. Hmm. And I, I think so, not only to go with my um, five-game <laughs> Stanley True. Cup win they series. They to or, win the next game. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> at least I'm saying next next game, which is going to be played tomorrow, uh, yeah. I think that they have it in the bag. But the only thing I'm going to close out on, too, is like, does Stamkos make the lineup again? Like that would be sweet if he did. Um, he was pra- apparently he's pr- practicing like full, full fledged, like full tilt. Okay. So yeah. he just hasn't joined the team in in uh, pregame warm up. So. Wait, he did in game two. He's on the ice for pregame. Oh, I was believe. he? Oh, okay. Shit. Yeah. Well, fuck. What do I know? Yeah. 
no, I mean, it's a, it's a war of attrition. Obviously, at this point, it has been for, for three-plus rounds. Um, I just think Dallas is going to wear down Tampa Bay a little bit before Tampa Bay wears them down. Um, yeah. And I think, like, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with my Dallas and six prediction. Um, I think they take the next game. Maybe it goes 2-2. Uh, and then they roll two out quick. Um, Fair enough. But I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be a great series to watch. And ooh, wouldn't it be fun if Stamkos could come back? G- oh, yeah. Give give the Tampa Bay Lightning a bit of a kick in the ass. Um, hopefully, put some points on the board there. Yeah, that'd be that'd be sweet to just you know at least to see him contribute to one game yeah, if they do definitely. win. Um, because <laughs> you know, as a captain, it's got to be really hard to play when you're hurt. Oh, yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's pretty much it for me for this series, unless uh, yeah, yeah. No, I got I got nothing else. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than yeah, fucking Dallas hype train, baby. Yeah, you've been riding it for a couple <laughs> rounds now, and and yeah, let's get it. I mean, it's not stopping until it gets to the cup. So yeah, I don't actually remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure when we made our cup picks in what I think was our first episode. I think I took Vegas yes. or I think I took Vegas to win the cup or maybe it was, so. I think it, it was Vegas or Pittsburgh, but I'm pretty sure I said Dallas is a dark horse. Yeah. I've, I, I've been believing, bro. I remember you said Pittsburgh for the East and then I, I think you said Vegas for the West, but yeah. 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 I mean, um, they've definitely yeah. turned it on. So Yeah. Definitely better than the 10-game losing streak they started the playoffs on. So. Yeah, holy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of glad that didn't keep going. Yeah, that would have been bad. That would have been really bad. So, but. Yeah, but you know, it's been a long one, man. We've been, yeah. we've been going oh, yeah. for a while We're, here. Uh, so. We just cranked out an hour and 40 minutes worth of, uh, oh, damn. of, of hockey talk. And uh, here at the pond, the hockey's talk never stops. <laughs> never. Uh, yeah. But anyways, guys, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of The Pond. Uh, if you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, what are you doing? We're at uh, we're you? on Twitter at podcast underscore pond. That's uh, P-O... You know how to spell it. I don't know. Here, <laughs> Google so. it. They'll, they'll correct it for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, guys, uh, if uh, you have listened this long, then we appreciate you and... Uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy the rest of the because I think by the next time that we record, um, it very we, well may be over. Yeah, it might be it, over. It might be. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. thank you guys though, and um, yeah, we'll see you next Tuesday with another episode of the Pond. Uh, Mike, you got anything? Uh, any closes to uh, get out here or? No, enjoy the week. Enjoy those those Canadian listeners, which I assume are most of our listeners. Um. Enjoy the weather while you can. Getting Seriously. a little bit depressing with the, the sun going down at like 7 p.m. It's kind of bullshit. Yep. Um, but enjoy it. And hey, hockey hockey's not even going to be gone for that long. It's going to gonna end probably this week, maybe next week, but it'll be back by like December. Um, and plenty to talk about in the meantime. So we'll, we'll, we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll hear us next week. Yeah, you'll, well, you'll always hear from us uh, every week. Every Tuesday. No. <laughs> but uh yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um enjoy the long episode and uh yeah, peace. Peace.
Peace, peace, peace. Also, get some beers in you, bud. You're you're looking really <laughs> hard. All right. <laughs> See you guys. They wanna get my.